Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. So it seems we had some technical difficulties in the sound booth over the last couple of weeks, and the sermons have not been um, uh, coming through on the recording. Um, so we're going to get that ironed out, and we'll get it fixed. But what but what I wanted to do is I wanted to at least put the information out there. Um, so it will not be identical to uh, the sermons uh, that have been preached over the last few weeks. Th- these will not be identical to the sermons that have been preached over the last few weeks. However, uh, this is the main outline, the main thrust of it. So um, this is the best we could do. So we just have to bear with us. So this will be Daniel chapter 2, and then we will go to Daniel 3, Daniel 4, and then hopefully we'll get it ironed out before, before this next week. So uh, let's get started. Daniel chapter 2. Outside of the normal remedies of warm milk, counting sheep, chamomile tea, and ambient, historically, we have approached sleeplessness in some very bizarre ways. Here are a few things that we've tried through the years. Rubbing your teeth down with dog's earwax. Mm. Eating sea slugs before bed. Face your bed to the north. And lettuce-laced opium. <laughs> As if lettuce has anything to do with that. I know I've shared this before, but my mother's suggestion, which she will be thrilled that I'm sharing this, was to read my Bible and pray at night. Her reason? Because the devil doesn't like it. <laughs> He'll put you right to sleep. So there's that. But one consideration that typically escapes us due to our complete and undeniable intolerance of discomfort is this. Sometimes sleeplessness is from God. Daniel chapter 1 verses 17 through 20 clues us in as to what is about to happen. They were given knowledge and understanding of all kinds, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. If you remember from chapter 1, there was a diet that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said that they wanted to stick to. Instead of eating the king's food, they were going to stick to a kosher diet. The result was this. They were given, they were given the ability to um, understand dreams, massive amounts of insight. They could learn literature faster. There were so many things that, that, uh, that changed for them. In fact, Scripture goes on to say that they were 10 times better than all of the other ones. And then right in there, there was this line that says, and they were given knowledge and understanding of all kinds. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Okay, so that's a little foreshadowing. Then in Daniel chapter 2, verse 1, it begins, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. The word for troubled is the word driven or urged. It's a picturesque word of livestock being chased or driven. His mind was racing like it was being herded he was overwhelmed and he was anxious but what nebuchadnezzar does in many ways is more is a more enlightened approach to sleep disorders than ours he went to the spiritual aspect first which only makes sense as americans you see we tend to compartmentalize our lives we operate as if the spiritual life consists of the days we go to church the times that we pray and the moments when inspiration strikes us we think of work as the thing that supports our families and supports us and we think of sleep as either, <clears throat> excuse me, as either a necessary evil or a vacation from life. But the ancients had this right. Everything is spiritual. 
work, food, play, study, family, finances, and sleep. Everything has something to do with the divine. Nebuchadnezzar summons all of his spiritualists, the horoscopists, the magicians, astrologers, astronomers, and he begins to say to them, I've had this dream. Now, I appreciate the fact that he believes that sleeplessness and dreams have something to do with the divine. However, his resources are limited and weak. Not only are they limited and weak, but they are corrupt, and they have been manipulating Nebuchadnezzar for a long time. But that will all end today. When they all arrive, Nebuchadnezzar says to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. And immediately, all of these little magicians, scavengers, begin to say, Oh, king, live forever. Tell us your dream, and we will interpret it. Well, that's pretty easy. He replied, I've got a better idea, one that I've already decided on. If you do not tell me the dream I had and how to interpret it, I will cut you into pieces and turn your homes into piles of rubble. It's interesting, this phrase, cut you into pieces. It's actually kill you into pieces. That's one of the interpretations. Kill you into pieces and turn your homes into piles of dung. However, if you can tell me the dream and the interpretation, you'll receive gifts, rewards, and honor from me. They begged him, only tell us the dream and then we will interpret it. He replied, I am quite sure you are only looking to gain time. Therefore, tell me the dream or receive your just punishment. The astrologers answered the king, there is not a king on earth who can do what the king asks. There is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. And then they say to him this, what the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. Oh, how convenient. This is a powerful line. You see, they understood gods as being localized. Even the Jews tended to think of Yahweh uh, on some level as confined to the tabernacle, the temple, or the Ark of the Covenant. You see, their idea was that God was far away. That was the understanding then, and sometimes that's the understanding now. But what makes this so incredibly interesting is that Daniel and his three friends did not limit their obedience to their location. Do you realize that your obedience to God's word reminds you of God's presence even when you don't feel like he is near? Let me say that again. Do you realize that your obedience to God's word reminds you of God's presence even when you don't feel like he is near? One of the ways that you can keep your heart focused on God in dark times is through obedience. Another very powerful thing about the passage is that the astrologers and magicians have reached the ceiling of their knowledge and their power of God. Their belief in their gods does not require any faith whatsoever. You see, they say what the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they, conveniently, just do not live among men. Their gods are defined by these three things. There is no revelation. They say only the gods can know. There is no personal relationship with the divine. Thus, he cannot have compassion or communication. And third, there is no presence of these gods because they do not live among men. If you stand that up beside Christianity, you will see a stark difference. There is revelation 
we understand who God is because Jesus came. There is personal relationship with the divine because he came looking for us. And third, there is presence of these gods. There is presence of our God. And that came through the presence of Jesus Christ, but also through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. There was a guard who was summoned to take all of the wise men and take them to the gallows to be killed. His name was Arioch. Arioch had become friendly with Daniel. Daniel friendly with Arioch. And when Arioch showed up, he said, All right, guys, it's time to go. It's over. Party's over. It's all done. Daniel just asked, um, Why did the king issue such a decree? Where, where are we going? He said, Well, the wise man couldn't tell him the dream. He's tired of being manipulated, and uh, it's not going to happen. Daniel says, I think I want to speak with the king myself. Daniel had unlimited access to the king, and he goes in and he speaks with him, and he says to them, May I have some time that I might interpret the dream for you? When the king agrees, Daniel returns to his house where his friends are, and he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning the mystery. After a day or two away, Daniel prays, and the dream is revealed. Not only the dream, but the interpretation. And he goes to the king, and he says, King, I've had the interpretation. But what's interesting is before that, when he reveals the dream, when God reveals the dream to Daniel, Daniel immediately begins to praise God for what he has done. He then goes to the king, and he tells the king, O king, here is the dream and its interpretation. And he tells him the entire thing. At that moment, the king is moved by who Daniel is. He is moved by his power. And what he says is, It is clear to me that your God must be the revealer of mysteries. And maybe the most powerful of all the gods. Thus, everyone was given a promotion. But Daniel decided that he would stay with the king. Not to go rule other parts of Babylon, but that he would stay with the king and serve him alone. Let me put these five things out here in front of you. There is a perfect model of how the followers of the one true God should live. Number one, <clears throat> excuse me. we defend human life as much as it is possible. We defend human life as much as it is possible. We are for life because life means redemption. So long as someone is breathing, someone can be changed. And in this moment that Daniel is put in this position, he defends the human life. He defends the lives of the people who are even going to be against him in the future. He defends the ones who do not believe like he believes. He still defends their life. He goes and he does and he, and he uh, prays that God will reveal the dream so that no one will lose their life. Number two, we gather together and we should pray together. Daniel immediately goes back, finds his, finds his buddies, and they pray. They pray that God might have mercy on them. When we gather together with one another, we should pray. We should pray. Number three, we wait and then we praise God when he answers our prayers. That's exactly what Daniel did. Daniel went in, put his faith out there, and said, can I, uh, can I have a day to, to talk to God about this and see, see if I 
see if I can get an answer. And then he waited. When God gave him his answer, he didn't, he didn't go immediately to the king. He didn't go to anybody else. He just rolled over, crawled from his bed, and praised God for giving him the interpretation, the dream and the interpretation. Number four, we intercede on behalf of everyone. You see, Daniel's role was to intercede on behalf of the king, his friends, his enemies, the kingdom. This is a very, very powerful thought. The fact that Daniel would want the prosperity of Babylon. He wants good things to happen to other people. We must intercede on behalf of everyone around us as well. If everyone around us, if we begin to pray for everyone around us and we do good to everyone who is around us, how can we, how can we make the world a worse place by doing that? No, we would make the world a better place. And the fifth one, we remain loyal to those who are over us and to those who believe differently than us. Daniel's loyalty to the king is going to make a difference in the future of his relationship with God and the future of Israel.